Well, good morning. morning. It is always such a joy and honor to be here with you on this Lord's Day morning. If you have a copy of the scripture, we will be in Acts chapter 15, continuing our systematic study through this book. Uh, we will be reading from verses 22 through 29 today. So prepare your hearts, as this is God's word to you. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord our God, what, what what a privilege it is to be gathered together as your body under the authority of your holy inspired word that you gave to us by your grace. I pray that you will Get me out of the way, and that you, Holy Spirit, will speak to all of our hearts. Open our blind eyes and our deaf ears, and hide this unworthy creature behind your cross. This is in May you be blessed this morning, I pray, in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In these last couple of weeks, 
We've heard the speeches of the Apostle Paul and of James to the council at Jerusalem and how they preached a message relating to how God saved people from among the Gentiles. Uh, more importantly, their message was the gospel, um, that God saves by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and not by works. As the previous um, passages we studied pointed out, that circumcision was necessary for salvation. Now that the gospel was preached in Jerusalem, the church came together to send out preachers to Antioch. The sending out of preachers by the church has been the practice since its very foundation, as we have seen and will continue to see. And it deeply troubles me that um, so often we see, um, I guess you could say so-called preachers who have not been called by the church, have not been called of God, and are continuing to lead his people astray. Now, as we dive into the text this morning, there are some things that we should take note of. Um, in verse 22, um, your translation might say, then it seemed good or it pleased. Um, these phrases are uh, repeated in the next few verses, but perhaps the best translation of this from the original Greek would be... Um, the word decided or determined or decreed by a competent authority, in this case being the church. Do keep in mind that uh, during our time together this morning, and even more importantly, who it is that it seems good to. The first thing we see um, is that the church body chooses fellow men to accompany Paul and Barnabas on their journey to Antioch. Um, we learned, as we learned this in the past few weeks, Antioch was one of the central locations uh, of the Gentile body. The Gentiles had received the gospel just a short time before, uh, and God would continue to add more to his kingdom as these brothers were sent to proclaim the gospel to them. Verse 22 opens with who was sent with Paul and Barnabas and who is doing the sending. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Of course, we should know that this is not Judas Iscariot. 
the one who betrayed Christ, um, as he was long gone um, at the time of this recording. Um, this the only the only thing that we know of this particular Judas is um, according to verse thirty-two. If you look there with me. Um, Judas and Silas also being prophets themselves so we know that he was a prophet as was Silas um, we'll see a lot more of Silas in the next several weeks as we continue on through the book of Acts these were two men who the church appointed to go and preach alongside Paul and Barnabas to the Gentile brethren in Antioch Along with them, the church wrote a letter to give to the Gentiles there. And it is the contents of this letter that we will spend the rest of our time together focusing on. Um, the letter begins in verse 23. And they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cecilia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. A typical introduction to a letter in this time period. But I want you to notice something. Look at how the Gentiles in these places were greeted. Brethren. We had just spent the last couple of weeks talking about how the uh, legalistic Judaizers who insisted that one must be circumcised in order to be saved, um, as we know um, that this was a Jewish tradition and it was the distinguishing mark for the Jew. In Genesis, the Lord had commanded Abraham to circumcise all men, or to have all men circumcised for the purpose of the distinguishing mark but the Judaizers wanted to make this tradition salvific. We know that we're not saved by our own works. The apostles and elders preached that very same thing to the Jerusalem council as the immediate context of the passage indicates. They preached what we preach, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. These Gentiles were greeted as fellow brethren, despite not being circumcised. Now, why is this important? Because circumcision and other works don't save. Christ alone saves. Next, we see the body of the letter, which begins in verse 24. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's pause here for a moment. A lot more of the modern translation don't have this detail, such as the NASB, which I have with me, 
or maybe the ESV. But the King James Version, as well as the original Greeks, say just what words were disturbing these Gentiles. Now I'll read from the King James Version. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Bad theology hurts people. I'll say that again. Bad theology hurts people. This is what's happening to the Gentile Christians here. What it will do, as the text indicates, is unsettle your soul. If we want to put it in its proper translation, it bankrupts your soul. Bad theology bankrupts our souls. False teachers will always either add to or take away from the salvific message of the gospel. In this instance, they were adding to. Now turn with me to Revelation chapter 22 and hear this sobering warning. Starting in verse 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Now, before this is taken out of context, we need to remember that Jesus himself said that the scriptures cannot be broken. In other words, this warning does not only apply to the book of Revelation, it, it applies to the entirety of scripture. And what false teachers will often do is add to it what it, is, what it does not say, as these Judaizers were doing, which is legalism, or it will take away from what is already there. Now, typically, this is what liberal theologians will do. They will ignore, reject, or try to dodge the passages they don't like. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now, there are a few things to take note of here. Notice whose name is first. Barnabas. This was because he was the one who, as Melanchthon Jacobus put it, best known as yet in Jerusalem. So he was, very, he was the well-known one among the Jerusalem crowd. 
having become of one mind, and 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we as believers have the mind of Christ. I believe that God guided these men as they were choosing who to send. With our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you'll remember the first missionary journey a few chapters ago, uh, both Paul and Barnabas were persecuted, and Paul was almost is stoned almost to death. The Jews thought that they killed him. But if you'll remember, he got up and went to the land that the, those Jews came from, and there he preached the gospel. I don't know, that just gets me fired up. Now, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 14. <coughs> First, I will read verses 25 and 35. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all those who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good. But if, but even, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Sobering words from our Lord. He's not saying to literally hate your father or your mother or your wife or children or brothers and sisters or your own wife. But he's, what he is saying is that you, that you love 
and devote yourselves to the Lord so much so that it would be as if you hated everything else because you are so consumed with doing what God says. And the world hates this message bitterly. And if it hates the message, it'll hate you too. They hate Christ, therefore they hate his message, and therefore they will hate all who proclaim and stand upon his message. And I'll be honest, it'll cost you something. It won't be long before laws are passed. When Jesus says, um, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Carrying his own cross, this crowd knew what he meant. Now, we don't see crucifixions in any degree of regularity here in the 21st century in America. But this crowd did. And what, this, what the cross meant Carrying your cross, that's a death sentence. Not only is it a death sentence, it is a criminal's death sentence reserved for the worst of the worst. And so much so, to put even a higher degree on it, the law says that anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed of God. And this, this uh, declaration from Christ, it's very alarming. This, this was sure to get their attention. But, this, that, but that's what it means. That you will be willing to be looked at as a criminal to the world. And perhaps even die. For the sake of Christ. But nonetheless, for the Christian, there will be suffering involved. So I implore you to count the cost. Now, verse 27. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas. Who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. Now, I'm sure you're all familiar with the cliche preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. If you need a verse to refute that statement, there you go. These men preach the gospel, and yes, they use words. So, words are necessary. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from these things, you will do well. Very well. Now, um, this right here was 
the exact same thing that James said in his speech in the verses beforehand. Because in this context, uh, idolatry, specifically paganism, was very prevalent in this day. Um, and some of the things here are that he lists are common things that happened. Things sacrificed to idols and for blood and from things strangled and for fornication. This was regular stuff that went on with these pagan people. What they're saying here is stay away from it. And if you look particularly at the word fornication in your translation of scripture, the Greek word is phonia which fornication is only part of it. Um, what pornia really means is all sexual immorality, not limited to fornication. That also includes lust, adultery, and sexuality, and all other forms of sexual immorality. And stain from these things. I I would I would advise this: abstain from sin altogether. If you keep yourselves free from sin, you will do well. This is what he's saying. We are called and commanded by Scripture. To flee from sin, to repent of our sin, and believe the gospel. And if you're not in Christ, um, Scripture implores you repent and believe the gospel. And if you are a believer this morning, Continue in your repentance and continue believing because repentance is not a one-time thing. It's continual. I've heard it said that it's not a flu shot. It's ongoing. I, re I would recommend a book to you called um, It Will Cost You Everything. Um, it's written by um, Stephen Lawson, and he basically goes through everything as far as um, counting the cost and what it, what it really takes to follow Christ. Um, and if you don't have this book, um, you need to get it. He closes it with these words, and I will close my sermon with it as well. The die have been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. 
I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will not look up, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I do not have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, love by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of my enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity, nor meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've prayed up, preached up, stored up, and stayed up the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me. My colors are flying high, and they are clear for all to see. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I pray that that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Let's go, Lord, pray. Oh, Lord, um, we are these believers. not only gathered here to hear your word preached but as we leave we don't just simply leave Lord you send us you send us into a whole lot of different things a whole lot of different places we encounter a lot of different people and what you gave to us is your word and with it, we tell people of this great and glorious gospel. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here this morning and watching or listening to me online. Um, I pray that you will guide them, keep them, and give them the peace that trans transcends all understanding your peace specifically peace that no one in this world can take away from us 
Guide us and lead us, I pray, in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.